Hello, good people of podcast land. It's Ash Grunwald here, and today we have Ziggy Alberts. Goddamn, the demon in me. I really have to take a moment to just thank you guys for being here on this podcast and starting off on this journey with me. Um, if this is your first podcast, the Ziggy Alberts one, please do go back and listen to the two episodes with John Butler because they are downright inspiring, and that is the whole point of Soulful Conversations to really inspire people and really show you guys and myself, of course, the mindset of some of these amazing people who've done amazing things in their life and are in the process of doing amazing things. Um, I know I said amazing a lot, but there's a lot of amazing things happening. Um, anyway, thank you so much for being here. And I really would encourage you most strongly to get involved, leave me messages, direct message me on Instagram or any other socials way. And if you want to help out the podcast, definitely take a little screenshot when you're listening and post it up on your socials with what you got out of it. You know the brother look just like me. You will no doubt be seeing a lot of comments about this young fella who is just ripping at life. I give you Ziggy Albert. Welcome to Soulful Conversations with Ash Grunwald. In this podcast, we interview inspiring and amazing people, musicians, surfers, and experts in mindset, creativity, health, well-being, and making the world a better place. I'm tired of beating around the bush. I want to go deep and have a soulful conversation. This podcast is brought to you by Earth Bottles. At Earth Bottles, we are on a mission to end single-use plastics, offering a full range of beautiful double-insulated bottles, reusable coffee cups, food and tea canisters, stainless steel straws, bags, and lots of plastic-free eco-goodies. Earth Bottles proudly supports the Breast Cancer Network of Australia, Beyond Blue, Hope for Health, Clean Coast Collective, 15 Trees, Bali Baby House and the UN Refugee Agency. So head over to www.earthbottles.com.au for a 10% discount using the promo code ASHLOVESME. Together we can make a change and break up with single-use plastics. On the line right now, I have Mr. Ziggy Alberts. How's it going, brother? Good morning, my friend. It's it's going good. How are you doing today? I'm going really well, man. Where are you? Right now, I'm at my uh, folks' hometown on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Just got a couple days, had a couple days in between shows on this uh, massive Australian-New Zealand regional tour and got three shows left. 34 done, three to go. 34 shows, my effing God. Can I just say a little bit of background here? I was looking for um, some people that might be good for um, soulful conversations, and I was thinking, how's that young Ziggy doing? He's kicking ass at the moment, isn't he? And um, I was just doing a bit of stalking on um, the socials, and I was looking through, and then I'm like, my fucking God, he's playing Festival Hall to 5,400 people or something. I'm like, what the fuck? He's killing it. Dude. 
Yeah, that was, uh, oh my God, that was like, when people ask if I had a good time, like, I think it's probably more accurate just to feel like I was trying to tame a dragon was the way it felt at that time. It, was like, it wasn't like a chill situation. I was nervous and you go on stage, on stage by myself. We played as, so I had obviously headlined that show. It sold out and um, I played as a solo, um, as a complete solo act and so did my friend, um, Mr. Nathan Ball, out from the UK. And so there's two solo musicians trying to tackle over 5,000 people, and it was just, my goodness, it was an unbelievable experience, to say the least. Wow. I mean, I know from my my solo era, there is nothing quite like when you do stand up there and have that space as a solo musician to feel the connection oh, man. with a crowd. Oh, everything, every little, every little swing and twang is... is um, it just, it, it's very obvious, isn't it? It's under the microscope. And so, but that's a really nice thing in the day and age that we're in that's quite quite busy, both sonically and metaphorically and physically. I think it's really incredible to, to get up on stage and to try and challenge that within yourself and sit there and just play a damn quiet love song um, to 5,000 people and kind of unapologetically. And people, I mean, it's, I think because, you know, seeing, I, I've seen you know, with you and your solo career, like I know um, it, is, it is a rarity. And it is, it's a beautiful thing. I think it's great. I think those mistakes that get made or that happen when you're on stage, it makes the whole situation a little more humane. And I think that when you giggle about it on stage and everyone relaxes, it becomes this, well, it becomes a really powerful um, moment together for both you know, for the crowd and for myself. Yeah, it's funny how what people really love. I used to always love when things would go wrong, especially like solo, because you have something to improvise about, I guess. And I think, yeah, people people just get off on somebody being up there and being just really real. I think, like, I think mm. that's what you're saying. People are searching for something that is really genuine in this day and age. Hundred percent, because there's often a lot of smoke and mirrors, and that's what I was saying. With that's what I was saying with any um, with any lack of respect for people that are doing band stuff. I think it's incredible. It's just that, like, I'm honestly, if, if you ask me to like play along with a band, like they would walk out. Like, I'm good at doing my solo thing, but as for like being a musician, I can pop up and I know what key something is in, or um, to come and do harmonies. Like, I'm not your guy. Like, don't invite me. Maybe like maybe a tambourine, but don't invite me otherwise because I'm just. <laughs> I'm, uh, one day, you know, I'm learning. I'm still still learning so much, you know. So it's um to to go up and just to kind of fill that spaces that a uh, songwriter with a guitar, you know, like a kick drum kind of thing. For me, that's. I'm really happy to, to be in that space. What was the last time I saw you, Ash? Could it have been in Norway? Was that the last time we saw each other? It was in Norway. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was, it was in a little town. It was pouring rain, and it was this, it was this, this great little festival, and people were still going for it, and it was legitimately, like, poor. Like, I, don't know if you, I don't know if it happened during your set, but I feel like during my set, water was pouring on everything. I'm saying, like, it was such torrential rain. It was all over the fallback speakers, all over the microphones, and the festival was still going. It was literally pouring with rain. Everybody in the crowd looked like a bushwalker. Or like they yeah. were, they were hiking. They were definitely outdoors people. Um, it was such a yeah. It was it was a cool thing. How has it been to to be traveling the world at such a rapid pace and gigging so hard? I think that I think, and that's a really good question. I think that it was really important when I last. Oh my goodness, I can't believe it's that long already. But after I last saw you, that was one of the last. Um, 
studied that European leg, then I did a very brief city tour, and that was um, late 2017. I actually took 10 months off touring after that. I didn't make a very big deal of it because I kind of didn't want to be under scrutiny as to why or anything like that, and just needed to buy myself some time to kind of get back to, to normal things at that time I had hilariously met a Norwegian girl who became my long-term partner um, quite a while. And um, so at that time, I was able to spend some, you know, just, just do normal human things, be able to support her, to be able to be in a relationship was like, you know, stuff that wasn't going to happen when you're on the road for majority of the year. Um, at the moment, there's a really, really good balance, I think, to be to be this far into the tour and to be talking with you right now and feeling... Um, feeling full of energy and be feeling excited about the next three shows opposed to dreading that's a really um that's a really good indicative that i think we are as a team and i am finding a balance and it's just you know it's like it's just little things it's, it's getting your stretches in it's for me it's doing some medita- doing meditation regularly and um and and growing a team around you where the, you get the best chance possible to be present your shows and give everything you've got to the crowd wow man you're so together how old are you I'm 24 years old. I'm turning 25 this year, which is going to be quite a, quite a. a, a, a I don't know what's happened. I don't know what's happened for years. At 25 or so. Wow, you are so together. I wish I had a time machine, but I can't. I can't wish for anything different <laughs> to how it, how it has occurred. Um, when I embarked on my career, it was just an endless, and it stayed like that for a, almost, almost uh, 15 to 20 years of just partying and just craziness and and i guess eyes not really on the prize as such but you seem so together now now look i think it's various examples personally and in careers good bad or otherwise but i'm i'm lucky to um, have had so many people to look up to and to see trials and errors of so many people and that's i think really important not to be belittled you know i feel really like you know the australian um like look look at look at the people that i've been, you know, that I've looked up to that might be able to be on the conversation now. Look, you'd be on the phone with you. You were one of the first people I did a support for ever. I remember the day, um, it was one of the first times that I met uh, a really good friend who still tours with me now, my videographer. It was that day, it was at Coolum. I did your support and you were, you know, you were again, you know, a, a very inviteful and kind of made me feel comfortable, you know, despite being, I would have been 16 or 17. It was the first the first year I was playing music, and so I was really lucky to have a, a wide array of moments of people that stuck out with how to conduct myself. You know, you didn't. I, I was never interested in being a dickhead rock star. It just wasn't. I mean, my, my dad would flog me, to be honest. So I just didn't have an option if I wanted to, um, and uh, and so forth. I just have been really under the um, very under the impression and very clear on that. You could you would say saying you can be on stage in front of however many people. And if you don't have a good internal conversation with yourself, you don't have a good um, relationship with your family or friends, it means nothing. And there was some of those times already in my young career where I was like, this just doesn't have a feeling because the base isn't there. And so to have that sort of fervently clear at a young age, I was both feel very lucky. And now it's just, uh, there's just, I don't know, it's good, it's good to be done, Ash. Like what you're doing with this podcast is good to be done. And I just don't want to waste time. Um, don't want to waste time on the other stuff. Yeah, wow. That is so good. And thanks for reminding me about that gig. <laughs> I didn't remember that when I called you up. <laughs> no, I think it was at Cool no, and, and Please because like right because we uh it's it's a it's a crazy road and I mean time waits for no man or woman, that's what we think at the moment. It's like to kind of go touring 
touring augments your reality. It's an incredible, incredible process to be on the tour, to be touring all the time. That's why you got to soak up, you know, each of these moments. And um, and yeah, but it's. Uh, I mean, John Jump did a really, a really cool thing. He put out a post that I was reading just the other day about what he does before a show, and he's like, and he's, you know, how he essentially prays to find some sense of you know, high unity and the crowd to come together and to kind of come above all that and that kind of really I mean he really accentuated and really made a very clear point of, of a lot of ways I feel about about touring and about the purpose of playing music is that you're coming together regardless of your different backgrounds your different careers your different upbringings your different religions and you're putting them outside tonight you're saying hey we're going to sing and dance in unison and that's like unity that's, that's the whole for me that's the reason no, that's the reason we're doing it, isn't it? Absolutely. And it it really goes back to a primal thing in everybody. And I don't have a religious belief, and John talked about this, he doesn't have a religious belief, but he has a spiritual belief or a spiritual awareness. And I think everybody in the audience, whether they realize it or not, they have that as well, and they really feel something ancient when they're at that gig and everybody comes together. It feels really good, and I think it nourishes the soul to all come together. Oh, it's, I, I couldn't agree more. It's that music and live music is bloody as old, almost as old as time, you know, in terms of um, it's been a very solid part of our of, of human beings' existence and, I guess, the way we have evolved. And so to put people back in a room to do that, like, that's, I, love, I love sitting in a festival because, um, because I've had... Uh, um, for, here's, here's an inside scoop. But I, I've had one night of drinking in the last four calendar years. Um, <laughs> How many? Four calendar years. You've had one night um, drinking. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and... <laughs> And so often I'm, you know, so very, very often I'm sober in these crowds, the festivals either playing or mingling in a crowd. And I love watching that there is this, as you described, that like kind of ancient, uh, you know, primal thing that goes on. And you can't, you know, like, fire out. I, I played the show the other night and these, this family came along with their friends and family. And they came along to, um, on the, the anniversary of their son passing he had a, a, a pedestrian accident in the city like a, a pointless pointless death like no one's fault innately no one's like no one's intentional doing and like just a, just you know just a sad thing right and they've come out to the show on the anniversary because he really um really loves my music and so they've been brave enough to come out to the show and i see him in the crowd and I, I, I dedicated a song to him and then we all meet after and there's all these you know there's all these tears you know both you know just so, such an emotional experience for all of us but it was like a moment of going, wow. Cause, because music, I'm sure you, you feel, is like to a, a greater extent a selfish endeavor in some and many parts. But then there's these moments where you're adding to a pool of music because you and I both listen to music that helps us get through when we're sad or when we're happy. Yet we have the music that we enjoy, that we connect to. Um, and so when you feel like as a musician that you are contributing to this greater pool of this greater kind of thing that's going down where people have soundtracks to kind of help them Mm. through those times is um that makes you kind of it, it it's a moment that clicks and you go okay that's part of the reason that we're grinding that's part of the reason we're doing this touring that's part of the reason because there's these moments and they're very very real yeah that's so well said man i i totally agree and we as musicians and songwriters are so privileged to know yeah to know that what we've done when somebody comes up and says that i mean that is 
you, I can't say it any better than you said it. That's why we're doing it. We realize why we're doing it in that very moment. And it is just such a privilege. So I, I'm gathering from what you said there that you do everything in the normal everyday social media and everything that you have to do to make it or work it. But do you feel that you have that anchor point of that higher purpose, perhaps of helping people in that way that anchors everything you do? Or am I putting words in your mouth? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I think it's a good question. Um, I think that if this, I think yes is the answer that because I remember a time, a, a particular time in, in 2015 where I did ask that question. I was kind of like, what, what exactly am I doing here? Like I had to kind of sit myself down and go, what, what is, what is this for? And I just have been really lucky, Ash, like to, you know, from, from a family, from family upbringing through just people that are surrounded by that. Um, we all, we all very, very aware that social media is a funny thing, right? It's like anything that's really powerful. You can make good of it in terms of it has a capacity of, of a side of it that isn't very good, but all you can do from social media is actually try and create real moments and as an independent, yes, I'm still entirely independent, that what social media allows is me to advertise that I am playing shows and bring people to shows. All these moments where, for example, someone has sent a message and it's gotten through to me about, have, about hey, our family, we're coming to this gig. We want, you know, if you could play this song for Jordan, you know, for Lockie, that would be really, that would be really huge and so forth. I think the, the good of social media is almost in complete balance of the reality that you create from it. And so if we can bring people together, if we can raise awareness to various environmental issues, if you can um, then have people at shows because of that who come and have an excellent night with all of us, that's just making good of something. Everything that's powerful has got both sides to it, you know, and so I feel like I'm happy to, I'm happy to play the game because, you know, you also probably look back on the way that music had previously been made possible and probably back in the days it was just signed a major record deal. Whereas now we have options. Would you would you agree? Yeah. Um, actually I came in at the tail end of the the height of the record company thing and then I, I was in that with John Butler and that round of um independence. We were the first lot that mm. were really able to go independent and smash it and people were buying shitloads mm. of CDs, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> um yeah, it it just keeps on evolving. And, you know, for the older musicians as well, it's been really a challenge sometimes to adjust. You've got to change everything in the way that you promote music. Like, say for somebody of your generation, it's easier for somebody younger because that's the way you do it. Whereas you don't, you don't have to lose an old way of doing it. You don't have to change a pattern. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. that's that's been an interesting thing for me. But for people in the older generation, it's when we do what we're what you and I are doing right now, where we don't jump on and try and do what some young dudes doing or whatever, but we do something that's meaningful to us. I think that's when you use modern technology to its to its ultimate to keep evolving. That's a really good way to put it. Isn't it? It's about using. It's about using. Um, technology to, again, to keep improving things. I don't just mean in the sense of improving things for the sake of it, that you can improve something to then aid, perhaps. So look at it at the moment. Look at the outcry of what's happening in the Great Australian Bike. Mm. Social media is allowing it's a lot of public commentary and a lot of awareness that's being raised that isn't and probably wouldn't be possible through via major printed publication because it's a free forum. And so, therefore, 
people to actually have access to free information on really important issues very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with with many of the ills of technology that people talk about, but I do think that we probably don't spend enough time talking like we are right now about the amazing, amazing positives that are coming through from digital technology every day. Um, and oh, it's absolutely, you know, this is, I used to tour around. I remember um, Benny, who used to play drums with me, saying, Oh man, remember when you. I sort of had a thought experiment and I invented, I was like, wouldn't it be good if you had something in your pocket? We had Google already and I was like, like a phone or something, but it was like a Googler and it would be oh my God. Googler and you would just be able to ask it anything and you could have access to <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, split screen and I still pinch myself sometimes because cause I used to say, wow, how you would learn at such an accelerated rate if you could have that access and just look up what you needed to look up when you needed it and it was in your pocket. And we're all doing that now. And we just don't even realise it. Uh, that's, that's hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah, look, I think, I think that there's ways... Um, so I think there's a, a, a point that I haven't really discussed much with anyone, but something that I've considered that we are undoubtedly faced with the, one of the most addictive, um, unalterated, uh, unregulated pieces of technology that is accessible from a very young age. Yeah. That's the reality of what we've got going on. We are therefore undoubtedly in a position where we have dependency issues, everyone from 10 or younger, as you, we both know, through to, um, you know, through to parents and grandparents, so to speak. So we've got this whole huge multi-generational, uh, I guess, challenge of, of dependency and addiction in your pocket, so to speak. That's one side to it. But what I look at is maybe if you want to take a, a positive spin from it or look at what can be done with that, is that it's never, never been so fervently kind of um, put in a position, put in the hot seat to address dependency stuff. Like isn't if, if, if I can or if you can do what needs to be done on social media, put your phone down, walk away. And not be and have complete um, control over that. And if people as individuals can practice that to use their phone, or as you discussed with them, learning, use their social media for good, use the internet for things that leave like a net positive result. We are maybe gifted an incredible opportunity where, um, where like dependency, we can really challenge ourselves as like a human. Addiction is one of the negatives that has sort of, um, with with our phones, that has um, snuck in the back door because it's not, yeah, it's not gambling as such. It's not a drug as such. What are some of the other things that maybe our audience should be mindful of when using social media and try and catch themselves out with? I think what I try and I think it's excellent. That's a really, really good question. I think that there is a lot of positives from it, and as you said, we are faced with this um, side of the addiction that they are literally designed to be addicted. Like it's not, it's not, um, it's not a matter of if they just are designed to engulf you and to take your entire attention. Isn't like that, that that is the, that is like that's not. I don't think an evil thing. I think that's just the point of. Of game, of gaming, of TV, you're trying to catch people's attention, and I think that that's what um, phones and social media do really, really well. Uh, I 
and definitely in the viewpoint and like a sense of very, very pragmatic. Because I'm a very all or nothing person, um, typically speaking. And so, um, <laughs> you're right. Okay, exactly. <laughs> um, and so forth that this time drive being like, oh, you know, I want to throw away my phone, you know, like get off social media completely um, and just go to this nth degree back from it but I think that if we can use social media or use your phones for learning for connecting people for addressing issues for learning about issues yourself if you can do all that and click them out then we are potentially as a generation um, as multiple generations have the opportunity to address dependency because I think that this is the biggest challenge of dependency we've ever been faced with because it's in our pockets yeah. And so that can either be looked at either be looked at negatively, you can go, Oh my god, that is such a shame or we can say, Well, perhaps as human as human beings we've never had the opportunity to address that so clearly. Wow. And then everything else will be easy. Wow. Yeah. That's genius. You've flipped it. It like it's sort of like <laughs> yeah, like uh, what you've done there is you're saying in a way it's like meditation. You can use that constant challenge for, for your attention and that that thing that is specifically designed to be addictive that is the function of every app as you, as you say to, or to get your attention it's des- it's the first thing that's maybe not the first thing you know there's nicotine in cigarettes and this and that but it it is deftly being designed and redesigned constantly to get you addicted and the process mm-hmm. of you Fighting that off mentally and recognizing that that is there is basically a mindfulness practice or a meditation yeah. practice. Let's do it. Let's flip it. Let's use it. Let's use it for good. I like that. Wow. No, I think. I think. You know, like I said, it's well. I mean, I mean, if we want to be really pragmatic, the we can, you can't ignore it, right? Like it's it, the the um the reality that we all are facing you can make something good of it or we can let it consume us. So I'm like, well, I want to be pragmatic and I want to make what's good of it. Why not? Otherwise, it, otherwise, many aspects of your life or many aspects of the um, things that need to be addressed will, will make you feel a little helpless about it or will make you feel a little bit down. I just don't, I don't want that. I want to, I, why not? Why don't we address them very Why don't we at least make what is good of it, which is a lot of things. And there you have it. That is the first half of the interview with Ziggy Alberts, which is episode three of Soulful Conversations. And I think there's some really important points that Ziggy's bringing up there about what it is to be human in this modern, crazy social media technological world that we live in, both the good and the bad. And I think we really need to start addressing these things and we can address them in a positive way instead of sitting around moaning about it (laughs) we can identify what's good what's bad and what are the opportunities and i just love looking at the world that way and that first half i thought it was absolutely epic and i just love going in deep and having a soulful conversation so thank you so much for being here with me on this journey and checking it out and please help us to spread the message and um yeah, don't forget that promo code, Ash Loves Me, if you ever want to get some nice Earth Bottles Eco products. 
And uh, I'll see you next week with the second half of Ziggy Alberts on Soulful Conversation.